Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this episode, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and head over to bridgechurchutah.com and have access to all of the church information and it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at Bridge Church. Most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. So good to be back at church today. How many of you know Jesus is good, right? We walk in a victory that the world has no clue about. Are you with me? Right? And uh, for many of you who don't know, um, four weeks ago on Monday, I woke up sick. I'm no longer sick. As a matter of fact, I am the healthiest person in this room today. I, I have antibodies and I am 13 times more resistant to the, vi the China virus than anybody in this room. So don't worry, place been clean. Now, if my breathing gets off and I just go ahead and pass out, uh, I want to establish a do not resuscitate order. Keep your lips off my face, except for her. Everybody else, forget it. And we've got nurses and paramedics and all kinds of weirdos in here. Just get your lips off my face. That's all I care about, especially on the stream, okay? So I appreciate all your prayers. Uh, it's been a rough ride. Uh, the devil, I'm going to um, do a Sunday, I think, that's my testimony of healing. Uh, the, the devil has tried to kill me twice now, both times uh, through pneumonia. And uh, how many of you know we have victory? Yes. Anyway, right? We, that's, and, and let me just share for a second on this China virus thing. Uh, in Nuremberg, after World War II, they were, they were um, prosecuting German hierarchy. And they kept asking them, how did you control all of Europe? And they did it, they all had the same answer. They said one thing, fear, creating fear in the people. And I don't know what your theology is with shots, vaccines, and really, honestly, that's between you and God. Nobody can tell you what to do, right? It's a free country. Okay, but let me tell you this, that the officials and the news media are creating a fear in the people over a virus that has a 99% uh, recovery rate. And I believe, this is going to make you mad, okay? So it's okay. We can disagree and still love Jesus. I, agree, I believe that the China virus was released from that lab in Wuhan on purpose. And that's the only reason there's a Biden administration right now, and they knew that. Unfortunately, it has devastated a lot of people, a lot of people have died, and, and it breaks my heart. But here's why I tell you this stuff, right? I don't want to have to be that guy or be right or, or have an opinion. We can disagree and still love Jesus. But here's the thing. This last four weeks, including eight days in the hospital, has really pissed me off <laughs> to the point to where I'm not going to sit around and allow people to dictate to me about what to do, how to do it, and what's going to happen. Because I have a God. Yes. I have Jesus 
who I can pray to, and, and it's different kind of prayer. We are getting Christians. It's time to get aggressive and stop listening to us. You cannot cross this place. And when we declare what the Word of God says, Jesus is behind us, and so is all of heaven. So listen to what I'm saying. Get aggressive in your prayer life. All of you, most of you should know that we pray here on Saturday nights at 5 o'clock. We intercede. And if you should come and get involved and get aggressive because it's like my family being pushed around by a virus that tried to kill me the second time. I'm done. I'm going to push back. I'm going to fight back. And there's nobody going to tell me any different because this right here, Ladies and gentlemen, in the name of Jesus, can you get in agreement with me to fight this thing to the end? You know, Revelation talks about how the mark of the beast is going to stop you from buying and selling goods. I do not think that this uh, vaccine is that, but I think it's a precursor to something bigger that's coming, and we have to. Listen, you can no longer sit around and wait for the government to do the right thing because that'll never happen. We have to be aggressive and going and attacking the enemy because he, the enemy, everything spiritual, the enemy is creating fear in all of us and it has to stop. Amen. For I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and a sound mind and however the rest of that verse goes. Okay? Power, yeah. Amen. Are you good with that? Everybody okay? Nobody offended? Amen. Fight back against this. A couple things going on around here. If tables on Monday at Joni's house for the ladies, right? What? Joni's house? Yes. So drink a protein shake before you go to Joni's house because she's got like a lot of stairs, okay? Uh, the gathering with Chase. This is another thing. Listen, if you are hungry for the Word of God and you are really thirsty to get into this Word, the gathering at High Point, Chase does an excellent job. Chase is well-educated, and he teaches a great uh, discussion Bible study. I encourage you to go do that at 7 p.m. on Friday. If you have not left us a Google review, get her done. We appreciate it. All right? Construction update. Uh, we're, 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 we had to take some weeks off because basically everybody was kind of out, but we're back, okay? We're going to start working at the church again in the evenings. Uh, this week, Tuesday for sure, Thursday, the tile work in the bathrooms is done, hallelujah. They're coming to put the fixtures in on Friday, and uh, hopefully we'll have all of the bathrooms working, and we're working toward this room is the last room we're going to work on and that's coming. In the next month or so, we should be done. Hallelujah. We're meeting with a guy about our audio and video stuff, getting the projection up and operating. It's very, very exciting stuff. It's a great time to be at the Bridge Church. Yes. If you're a first-time guest, okay, take a break. Take five. <laughs> the lungs are still not working, about 60%. If you're a first-time guest, please fill out a Connect card. It should be in the seat back right there where you are with your uh, information on it, and just stick it in that your car, make you clean. Give today into the, what we're doing here, and I would encourage you to give because we are getting to the end of the project, and the construction fund is mighty low, okay? So I want to encourage you to give. You can use an envelope, put it in a box, go to the website, 
or you can text 77977 uh, up on the top in the, in the line right, bridge live, all caps. Everybody, we're going to go to Luke 15, right? And Luke 15, the whole chapter, right? Lost coin, lost sheep, lost son. So we saw the prodigal son. We're going to talk about the prodigal son. We spent three weeks on the prodigal son. And this whole chapter, it's a great study. This whole chapter is just a picture of the beauty of God's grace in action, right? We look at the lost coin. We look at the, the lost son. Um, it, it's just God's uh, concern for sinners, for lost people, and people who were, were maybe in the family and then kind of wandered away like we're going to talk about today and then came back. How many of you know just like, they, like they, um, the skit guys were talking about there, the father is just on the end of the porch just, where's my son? Where's my son? Where is my son? Just focusing like, come on, we can do this. You're going to come back. You're going to return, right? And, and let's just talk about a few things. You know, I, the title of this series is Sons, Not Servants. And when I say sons, right, ladies, right, we all know you're, in, you're in, right, included. You're part of the game. Uh, you know, when the Bible talks about it's not really gender specific in most, most times like this. It's sons, it's daughters. Um, even men are referred to as the bride of Christ. So don't be trying on wedding dresses and things like that. Are you with me? Okay. So just remember sons and daughters, there's, there's no male, female. If it refers to sons, that's you, right? Ladies, daughters, whatever. Okay. A couple other things. Um, we have to understand a few things about sonship, okay? When we're in the family of God, or we're in a family, right? Here's my family, minus one. Uh, he's a son. He's a son. He's my son. When, when, when a father and a son have a relationship, it on. So I don't have one to change life by using spiritual principles, okay? Now, remember that because as we read this story today, in Luke 15, we're going to start in verse 11. Listen to how many times we talk about sons and servants because we are born into the world as a servant. I tell them and date and all these different things, but once the rings go on and you stand before God and you declare things with your mouth, Spiritual principles kick in and everything changes in your relationship with each other and with God. Much like when you're born again, spiritual principles kick in and things change in your life. For them said to his father, Father, Jewish culture says the younger son gets one third and the older son gets two thirds. Amen. Sorry, Chase. <laughs> right? So all together, journey to a far country for prodigal. There arose a famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, um, and he sent him into the fields to feast, feed swine. That citizen, because he was feeding swine in another country, more likely a Gentile, uh, because he was dealing with the pigs and Jewish would never, Jewish people would never do that. And it was probably even in the story. All the Pharisees and people that were around listening to the story were probably highly offended. 
because that's just what they do. Verse 16. But this is the best line if you got a Bible. You come to yourself moments where you're like, what am I doing? Why am I? What? What the heck's going on here in the name of Jesus? He said, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? Notice how his mind has changed. He's no longer the son with the inheritance. He's now a servant wanting a jab, a J-O-B. And it's funny how his stomach is manipulating his mind, right? By the way, the fast is coming up in January. Yeah. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Look at verse 19. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son, make me like one of your hired servants. It's interesting. We'll come back to that verse 19. And when he arose and came to his father, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, for him to be a great way off and his father saw him and had compassion, the father is looking for his lost son. Let that settle in your heart for a second. He had compassion, and then he ran, which fathers don't do with their, their you know, especially when you're my age with two knee replacements and what other else, host of issues, not being able to breathe. Pull up his gown and run down the street to his son. That's impressive. And he had compassion, and he fell on his neck and kissed him. Now catch this, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Notice that the father cuts him off right there. And he, he just stops it and cuts it off right there. And he says, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. Say robe. robe. Put it on him. Bring out a ring. Say ring. ring. The ring of authority on his hand and sandals say sandals, on his feet. Three gifts the father brings to his lost son that all were from a servant now going to bless his son with these three gifts that changed everything about the son's life. Everything about the son's life. Verse 23, bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. By the way, we're going to have lunch at the food court at Southtown after, okay? So if anybody wants some fatted calf, they probably can find some over there. Verse 24, listen to the Father. This is the Father speaking. He says, for this is my son. He was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to P-A-R-T-Y because story of the grace of God in action. And it's a picture, a special robe. This robe brought uh, a gifting with it that made everything in his past disappear. And it was amazing. So what did Jesus say about this sonship, servantship thing? Jesus says in John 8.35, talking about being a slave to sin, he says, and a slave does not abide or live or stay or hang out in the house forever. A son doesn't stay or a servant doesn't stay forever. 
That's amazing. A little later in John 15, I no longer call you servants. This is Jesus speaking. It's kind of a big deal. No longer call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. How many of you know where Jesus is right now? And what he's up to. He's in this place. Walking around, talking about being a slave to the law. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. So here's my question for you today, people. Why do we have a, a servant-slave mentality? Why? Why can't we operate as sons in the kingdom? and operate under a, a sonship. Because when my sons come to my house, it's, they have free reign of everything. They can go in the fridge. They can go in the pantry. They can touch my stuff, much to my chagrin. They sit on my couch. They eat my food. They drink my soda. Why? Because they have that blood-bought right. Think about the kingdom of God, uh, how big God is. And later next year, we're going to teach a series on the attributes of God and what he brings to the table. It's not just this high and mighty God in heaven and we worship and we praise and Jesus. There's benefits that come with this thing. Because we're sons, we have, we have the ability to use those benefits, like maybe healing. Like maybe deliverance. Like maybe a mind uh, renewing process. There is a bunch of stuff we get because we're sons. And we don't do it because of that, right? So let's talk about this robe that was given to the son. The, the robe that was given to this son is the robe of righteousness. Okay? It's the robe of righteousness. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10 addresses this exactly. In, in, in verse 10, he says, this is, this, uh, I meant to put this on a video last week and was just so excited I forgot. Listen to this verse, please. He says, I will greatly, greatly, this is Isaiah speaking, rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Out in a hospital bed and your, your what's that thing called? Ox, Paul Sox is saying 82. And you're like, they're coming at you with this thing that they want to stick in your throat. I am going to rejoice in the Lord, right? And we went to a wedding a couple days ago, and they played this worship song. And in this song, it was the, the, the phrase, uh, with, what does it say? With every breath I have, I shall praise the Lord. Let me tell you something. When you're in that place where you can't breathe and yet you are greatly rejoicing because that's all you know. And I would like to say that I really had victory in that moment, but I was dying. I could not breathe and the devil was closing up my face. I could feel it. I could still Greatly rejoice in the Lord, and my soul, my mind, my will and emotions, my, my spirit is the only thing that was holding me steady in that place, barely, because there was a fight going on in the spiritual realm, that there was tons of people praying, thank you, by the way, 
but I was going to praise the Lord no matter what it looked like. And it didn't look good. And the nurse is saying, if you don't bring that up, we're going to send you to ICU, and they're going to put that thing in your throat that's going to kill you. And I'm like, oh, no, you didn't, Shaniqua. We ain't going there. And, and luckily, things calmed down, and I turned a corner that night at 3 in the morning. And I believe it was because somebody was praying. Thank you. He says, now listen to what Isaiah says. This is a clear prophecy, a picture of the New Testament church. He says, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Somebody, of righteousness. He has covered me. The son, when he came home, was covered. The daddy just put that thing around him. When you come to the Lord or you come back to the Lord, he puts on you a robe of righteousness. That's what we're going to talk about today briefly. Okay? This righteousness, this robe that, that he put on him. Righteousness means right standing with God. That means that you are no longer accountable for what you've done. Okay? We're going to talk about this for a minute. And, and it's really something that the church has to understand. Because a lot of us deal with a past that the government and the courts, perhaps family, they want to crucify you for it all the time, nonstop. It's like, shut up already. I got it. I know what I did. I was there. And I have paid my price. But when you are redeemed from the past, on comes a robe of righteousness. And we're going to talk about that for a second. Right? Now, number one on your handout there, if you got your handouts today. Number one, is this righteousness earned or a gift? This is the problem. Because we act like we are earning God's righteousness. All the time. I got to act right. I got to go serve at the church. I got to give my 10%. I got to this. I got to, got to, got to. That's not the way God works. Does not work this way. And if we catch this today, let this hit your heart today. It'll change everything you believe about God. Everything the way you see the Father. Because let me tell you something. Never said anything about righteousness. Nobody ever said anything about being right standing with God. Being equal with God. Being able to uh, talk to the Lord. I was told that you will never be good enough. You're never going to qualify and you may get into heaven, but you're going to have burn marks on your butt. I was like, what? So let's look at Luke 15 again and, and verse 19. And, and uh, this is what I was talking about. Son, this son felt worthy to be called a son. Then, think about this now as in your life, in your walk with God. At some point, he did something like prodigal living, which is promiscuous, sexual, drinking, carousing. That's what that prodigal life is. Anybody besides me in this place lived that life? Is we are saved. We're righteous. We have the robe of righteousness on Sunday morning. And we love life. And then we go home. And we yell at our kids and scream at our neighbors and, I don't know, shoot somebody in the back. Yes. Just being a little extreme. 
okay? But then here's how our mind works, though. We think because we have been outside of the will of God, we now take off the robe, hanging over here, back when I'm righteous, or I go back to church and confess, then I can put it back on. The son never lost his righteousness, even in his prodigal living, ever. He was still righteous even though he was in the pit. Even when you're sinning, well, maybe not, but when I'm sinning, because you never sin, none of you, right? Even when, when I'm sinning, I am still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm just having a problem, just having an issue, having something that I haven't sanctified yet. Working through something. Most of the time, it's this thing right here that causes all the issues because you, you know, speak out of emotion, speak out of something that, you know, causes some issues in your life, but that doesn't mean you're not righteous, right? The part that we don't understand as Christians is that we were never worthy enough to be righteous. You can't do enough. You can't serve enough because it doesn't have anything to do with you, right? There's another word that was given that Paul, the apostle, talks about. It's, it's a word called imputed, okay? And imputed is an accounting. What happens is there's an account that's established called you. And in that account, everything that you've done to this point goes into this thing. That sin that you have had in your life is in this account. Do your thing which most people who don't understand this righteousness pay for their own sin. But how many of you know? Well, let's look at Romans chapter 4, and, and Paul explains it. Chapter 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. It's, it's grace. It's God's grace, right? Talking about Abraham, verse 1. Let's take, let's take a break for a minute, okay? Smoke them if you got them. All right. Verse 1, <laughs> chapter 4. This is Abraham, Abraham, Paul talking about Abraham. Listen to what he says. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, what he did, he has something to boast about, but not before God, right? Sounds a lot like Ephesians 2, same guy wrote it. Listen to what verse 3 says. For what does the scripture say? Abraham, this is Genesis 15, Abraham believed God. Look at your neighbor and say, you should believe God. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted, imputed, Greek word, logizamio, to him for righteousness. Why was it accounted? Because he believed, right? Verse 4, now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. If you're going to work, you're going to pay for it. Him. This is where grace starts, by believing on him who justifies. That word justify simply justified, never sinned. Okay? The ungodly, which we all were at one point, his faith is accounted, same word, imputed, for righteousness. Just as David also describes blessedness as the man of the man whom God did to you when you believe. That's it. Do you believe or not? The righteousness comes when you believe. A little bit later in this chapter, verse 19, he says this. Again, 
speaking of Abraham, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Talking about Isaac, okay? He did not waver at the promise of God. How many of us can say we never wavered at the promise of God, right? Everybody. This is imperative, these verses right here. He says that he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 21 is your right on the mirror verse and read it every day because this will help you. He said, being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Are we fully convinced that what God said he can do, he will do? Anybody? Okay, amen, right? And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. He was so convinced that the righteousness came. For us, we just have to believe, and the righteousness is come. And then in verse 23, it says it wasn't just written for him, it was written for us. It's a part of the deal, okay? That word imputed means to bring one's account into balance, when we accept Jesus, when we come back like the prodigal did, our account is balanced and we're in right standing with God. Is that okay? Is that all right? Amen? Anybody. That's kind of exciting because then you don't have to pay for your past. As a matter of fact, your past is wiped out. You are able. Opens the spiritual doors to speak to God the Father to speak to Jesus, to declare a few things, to ask a few things or demand a few things. Or uh, in Luke 10, when he says ask, he's talking about put a demand on the character and nature of God. We have that ability because we're sons and we're righteous. Have to be righteous to communicate. Have to be righteous to be a son. Are you with me? Right? The prodigal earned none of this robe of righteousness, right? Number two on your handout, listen to the accuser. There was two Joshuas in the Old Testament, right? Moses died. The first Joshua led him into the promised land. The second Joshua led him back to the promised land after uh, Joshua means God saves. Listen to this in Zechariah 3. Okay, Zechariah chapter 3. This is a picture. There's eight prophecies in Zechariah. This is like the fourth one. This one clearly talking about salvation and the church. Listen to this. This is you as the New Testament church. Verse 1, then he showed me Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. This is the Jesus, Old Testament Jesus. Anytime you see the angel of the Lord talking about Jesus and Satan, of course, he's got to be there. And notice where Satan is, right? Notice where Satan is. He's standing at his right hand to oppose him. Side of the crew, accuse the accuser. Verse 2, and the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. And this is not a brand plucked from the fire. 
That would be a good refrigerator verse, that the accuser has been rebuked, right? And anytime you get weird thoughts, you want to shoot somebody, you want to hurt somebody, you want to do something. Joshua, listen about the robe of righteousness. Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, and he was standing before the angel, before Jesus. And he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Jesus, speaking to Joshua, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich. Say rich. Rich Rich robes. That word rich in the Hebrew, nothing to do with financial anything. Rich in mercy. Because there's only one way you get this robe of righteousness, and that's the mercy of God the Father. Are you with me? So there's three things that happen in this story I want you to get. Number one, he removed his filthy garments representing the iniquity that he had committed before, right? His past. He's removing the garment and putting him in good standing with God by bringing a robe of righteousness, right? And Isaiah 64, 6, all of our righteousness says... I don't even know if that's a word. Righteousness says, says, are like filthy rags. There is nothing we can do to earn salvation. Can't. You can't do it. There's no way. What you do, the best thing about us is filthy rags to our God. In this story, which I personally love the best, he rebukes the accuser getting to accuse, well, you did this, and you did that, and you said this, and you mistreated her, and all these things. The accuser will always have his bony finger in your face, right? And notice, he's been rebuked, right? Uh, no longer at his right hand. How about Romans chapter 8, 34? He says, he who is, or who is he who condemns? Is it Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, hallelujah, who is even at the right hand of God making intercession for us? No longer is there somebody pointing a finger at you. We got somebody there on God's right hand praying for us, interceding for us, saying, go, go get him, Michelle. Go get him. You can do it. You you are the one, right? We have an advocate, an intercessor. That's amazing. So he removes our iniquities and gives us the robe of righteousness. He rebukes the accuser. And the last one, he robes us in righteousness. One of the biggest things I had to get as a Christian, that I am righteous. Say it with me. I am righteous. You have to understand you are righteous all of the time, right? The last thing in this passage in Zechariah is that he clothed him. Notice he clothed him. What's the biggest shame, condemnation, and guilt that you can withstand in your life? Brings condemnation, guilt, and most of all, shame. My wife says, if an ambulance ever comes to get me, don't allow him to cut my clothes off. I'll die first. It's kind of rude, but... That's the way you want to be. You can work on it, right? Why? Because that shame of having your clothes off in front of the world 
is unbearable. I know some people do it for a living, but that's not healthy. But let me say that the shame and guilt that comes with being naked in front of everybody, it, it trashes you, right? He does not leave us naked. God has covered our son. The biggest thing I need you to get today, church, let's live like a son. Live like you are a part of God's family, right? We don't serve my dad. I was 13 when he passed away, but in those 13 years, I, we had, there was nothing more that I loved to do in my life than please my dad. And, and back in the 70s, there was no phones, there was no internet, there was five channels on TV, the president was on and it was over, right? And, and we played sports and we were an athletic family. My dad played hockey professionally and all of us played sports. So there was nothing better to play than to play on my daddy's team because he was the best. And he had a reach that was 17 feet. I don't know how that worked, but it was great. And we always won when we played on dad's team. Let me tell you something. When you understand that you're a son you're clothed with the robe of righteousness. You are equal with God. Your, your sin has been exchanged. That's even a better word, right? God has taken your sin that you are going to be uh, accounted to. You have to pay for your own sin. And, he, and when you stand before God with your hand up and say, Father, I receive you into my heart, that account is empty. And it's put in Jesus' account. And he paid the price for that sin that we all committed. And he takes Jesus because he was the only righteous one ever. And he takes his righteousness and he puts it in your account. And now you can stand before God with all the benefits of being a son. And you can say, Call. And when my daddy is in charge, we're going to change some stuff. We're going we're gonna to change a city. We're going to change a whole state. Utah shall be saved because we are sons. And we, next Sunday, we're going to talk about the ring that brings authority. So we are righteous. We can stand, put a stamp on some stuff. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. I love that stuff. Amen. We're going to finish right here. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. Listen. Paul writing to Titus, he says, For the grace of God, Amen. That God brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that and godly in the present age. Your performance will never get you righteous. Jesus' performance makes us righteous. Let's all stand together. Receive this, right? So put your hands like this and, and bow your heads, close your eyes. I just want you to understand how huge this is. This is life-changing for some. This righteousness is a gift. And we're going we're gonna to not listen to the accuser when whatever he's telling you right now. We're not going to listen to him. And we're going to live in a, like a... Is, the, is, is God who, who 
can change a circumstance in an instant. Right? No matter what you did this week, you are righteous. No matter how ugly you are to whoever, you were righteous. There takes a humility in this minute right here to realize I need to be on my daddy's team because we're going to win every time. Even if the enemy has, has done something evil, the Lord's going to call it good and we will learn through this thing. We're not a servant. We're not an employee of God. We're a son. So with every head bowed, every eye closed in this place, God really, I mean really, like the father on the porch, wants to clothe you in righteousness today. Today is your day. You can do this. Your hands are out. You're in a, you're in a, uh, um, a set to receive righteousness today. You can change your whole outlook on life today by just receiving this righteousness. If you've never received this righteousness today, I just want you to put your hand up so I can see it. Just me. That's all. Nobody's looking around. Anybody, anywhere. If maybe you have been the prodigal son, you know, whatever, you can put the robe of righteousness right back on right now simple thing. Just stick your hand up where I can see it. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody? Anywhere? I see your hand in the back. Thank you. Once I see you, you can put it right back down. Anybody? Anywhere else? One more time. It's time to put the robe of righteousness on. Hang around here. Get in a connect group. We will help you to, to understand what it means to be a son, no longer a servant. So with your hands out like this, Let's prepare to receive this righteousness. We're going to pray this all together. So it doesn't matter if you put your hand up or not. <laughs> all right? So say, say this with me. With your hands open, ready to receive, say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I put on the robe of righteousness. I am righteous. I am righteous. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Sandy, South Jordan, West Jordan, or Harriman area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, head over to bridgechurchutah.com or email info at bridgechurchutah.com or you can simply text 801-391-6969 we're looking forward to seeing you soon